Hey, welcome to the Chess Experience. On this show, it's all about helping adult improvers. I want to make learning chess easier for you to navigate, and I also want you to have a more fun experience along the way. I'm your host, Daniel Lona, a fellow chess amateur. Let's get to it. This show is sponsored by Chess.com, the world's largest chess community. One of Chess.com's most popular features is called Game Review. This feature weaves together a lot of benefits in one post-game analysis. For example, you can see how accurately you played, whether you made any moves that were deemed brilliant or great, which makes me feel a lot better about my chess when I get one of those. And Game Review also offers a virtual coach that gives insights on every move. It'll also show you alternate lines that would have been better for you to help you understand how you can improve your game. So go on chess.com, play a game, and try out the game review. Welcome to the show. This week, we have another Adult Improver episode for you. I've done a handful of these in the past, and the feedback I get from many of you is that you really enjoy me doing Adult Improver episodes. So I'm trying to make that at least a semi-regular part of the show, maybe one every month or two, somewhere around there. And this week, our guest is Sam Canciobello. Sam is from Miami and lives in Baltimore. She's an artist, avid reader, and of course, a chess enthusiast. Like many of us adult improvers, her passion for the game was sparked by the amazing Netflix series, The Queen's Gambit. Sam has been studying and playing consistently for about the past three years. And over the last year, she started competing at OTB tournaments, both classical and rapid. Her USCF classical rating is about 1300, We dive into a variety of aspects of her chess life, such as, was the large amount of time she spent on openings at the beginning of her journey worthwhile? What factors have helped her improve the most? Why great women players have had such an impact on her chess life? And what inspires her to keep playing and studying so hard after three years? Here's my interview with Sam. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing lovely. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm great. I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, we've, like uh, a lot of my guests, we've known each other a little bit on Twitter for, I don't know, a year or so, maybe longer now at this point. We've interacted a little bit, but uh, I'm always happy to kind of take that connection and bring it to a live discussion on the show here. So I'm really excited to chat with you, Sam. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's so nice to be able to like um, be able to actually interact now. And then also <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the podcast. So I'm really excited to be on as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. And I, like I mentioned to you before we talked today, I really just love talking with fellow adult improvers because we, we understand each other so well. We're like living through the same basic <laughs> overall experience. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just really easy to chat about this stuff with someone who's kind of, you know, going through the same stuff. Oh, I totally agree. We feel each other's pain. We understand <laughs> the feelings that we're going through with trying to improve. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about kind of all aspects of your chess journey so far. I think, let's see, you start, it was like, basically full force, I think in 21 was when you like really got serious about chess, right? So if that's right, it's like 21, 22, 23. So you're kind of like in your fourth year now, right? Uh, so yeah, so it was towards the end of 2020. I would say, I think like, I mean, maybe like November of 2020 that I actually realized there was something about chess. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so 2021 was like the first full year of me actually trying to learn new things. Um, so yeah, almost, oh my goodness, I can't believe it's been that long. That's wild. Yeah, in your fourth <laughs> year crazy. now. Yeah, yeah wild. Let's talk about that since we started there. We talked, and so I learned that growing up, you knew a little bit about mm-hmm. how to play chess, you know, throughout the years, but you weren't yet passionate about the game or really focused on improvement until, as we said, a few years ago. So, what ultimately sparked your excitement for chess? So, yeah, um, as a kid, it was, I, I don't think I really knew that there was really beauty in chess. Um, I really just thought it was, you know, moving pieces around and pushing pieces. It's not wrong. Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) To an extent, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is what we do. (laughs) Um, But I didn't really know that there was really intricate strategy. And so what kind of was my catalyst was um, The Queen's Gambit, the show. Um, Really watching that was a super huge eye opener for me on, oh, wow, there's 
strategy going on. <laughs> and also chess can be beautiful. And so that was what kind of hooked me um, and gave me the chess bug for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. I love hearing that. Uh, that's like true to form because what I, we just said a few minutes ago is that we're, we can relate to each other. So that's exactly what brought me back to the game as well. Oh, I love um, yeah. So, you know, I did, I did maybe a bit more, uh, in my, in my younger years, like in middle school era. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had let it go for a long time. And so, yeah, I totally relate because Queen's Gambit brought me back in. But what's interesting is I think sometimes it can be different different parts of the queen's gambit show that like really get to us so what what was it for you in the show that made you excited about the game um i think the first one was like the super dramatic scenes of like them playing it was just so like uh intriguing to me to see them like be so serious and just the action shots i thought were so beautiful um and then also um just hearing how they talked about chess um made me think that it would be something that I would be interested in, Um, especially like uh, the amount of time that's put into learning chess. I thought that that was something that would really benefit my life. Um, And so that was something that I really was excited about when I first saw it. Um, So the action shots and then also just hearing them talk about chess was so intriguing to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think before you get into chess, like in a big way, like we have, it kind of just is like another game on Mm -hmm. a shelf of board games. And it's easy to be unaware that there's an entire world to it. Was that something maybe that the Queen's Gambit made you realize too, that there's this whole community and world centered around the game? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So before I had just looked at chess as another board game, which I'm a huge board game person. So it just was like another game that I could play. Um, and then I didn't know that there was like world champions and all of these tournaments and it was like a competitive thing. I had no idea about that. So once I learned about that from the show, I was like, Oh, this is actually something I would really enjoy doing. I love strategy games. And then, um, I also love like tournaments and competition. Um, so that was something that really brought me in as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love hearing that. What areas of chess did you dive into when you started, you know, kind of this improvement journey back in, say, early 21 around there? Um, Because, you know, so we established, you know, you watch Queen's Gambit, Mm -hmm. get super excited about the game, uh, like many of us did seeing that. But what what did that look like for you when once your journey started to unfold? Yeah, so I made the the fatal uh, beginner mistake of only learning about openings. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just looked up like online, like chess videos or something like that. And Gotham Chess popped up. And so it was like, oh, beginner videos and um, like opening principles. So I did learn a little bit about opening principles um, from like one of those types of videos. But then I watched a ton of opening videos (laughs) and like speed runs of like certain openings. And so I feel like I learned passively um like different tactics and um different checkmate patterns and things like that but i wasn't actively learning them in the beginning i genuinely was just doing openings which is like (laughs) crazy to me looking at it now i didn't even know you were supposed to do that until like a year and a half ago somebody told me that and i was like are you kidding me (laughs) (laughs) whoops (laughs) yeah exactly i was like i wasted a year what do you mean well, so yeah, that's an interesting point. And I know there's always this discussion on openings and their value. Just kind of like a, to clarify a little bit, when you were doing all this opening study that first year, um, were you doing it because you didn't realize there were all these other areas to spend your time on in studying chess? Or were you focused on it because you just enjoyed it so much? Yeah, I think I was enjoying it because it feels like such a clear cut way of learning almost. Um, It's like you do this, your opponent does this, it's very straightforward, and it gives you a sense of control. And I think I was, I felt like I had no control because I didn't know anything. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that was what I was drawn to. And I also do enjoy learning openings. Um, I just, it's fun to me. So there was also that And also, I didn't know that you were supposed to do other things. (laughs) So it's kind of a combination of all those things. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, I know know openings gets ragged on a lot because people do often overemphasize how much Mm -hmm. time they spend on it. But at the same time, see, what you said is really interesting to me, which is that you were just you were enjoying it, though, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't the most optimal thing, but you were enjoying it. And 
I mean, imagine you did, I don't know, something that didn't appeal to you as much, like uh, Rook Endgames or something like that. And that was your exposure. And you were like, "Eh, I don't know how I feel about chess. (laughs) So I kind of wonder if like, maybe it's not optimal, but if it's getting you excited about staying engaged with the game, maybe, maybe it does have more value than we give it credit for. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that maybe I wouldn't have stuck with it if I was just doing something that I found boring. Um, And so I do think that that was um, a good thing that I did do it. I wouldn't take it back. um, But I do think it was not super beneficial to my chess, especially at the time, because it's not like my opponents were playing theory. (laughs) Like, I I was (laughs) not at that level at all. (laughs) I forget about that part. But I was enjoying myself. Yeah, (laughs) but I was enjoying myself. And so that does count for something. And it, I think it... um, exacerbated my passion for the game for sure okay yeah that's 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 good to hear at least now that first year that you were into chess um and and doing a lot of opening study (laughs) did you were you at a place at that point where you had any goals for yourself and what you wanted to accomplish with the game uh or were you just enjoying learning whatever you could i think i was more just enjoying whatever i could i didn't really I i knew i wanted to get better obviously um because I am just a competitive person. <laughs> so I wanted to be as like good as I could be. Yeah. Um, so I was enjoying it. And I didn't really have a ton of goals. It was mainly just, oh, what do I want to do with my spare time? Oh, let me go play the computer like mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on the website. <laughs> like I was really just like super isolated. Like this was like end of 2020 and then like 2021. So I was in college just like by myself in my room, like studying. And then when I wasn't studying, I was playing chess with a computer. <laughs> so Now you mentioned also that, uh, you know, that you were watching Gotham chess, uh, his YouTube videos. Were there any other content creators that you were watching during that time? Um, no, not at the time. I genuinely, I think I watched like a hundred videos of Gotham chess. Like I, <laughs> I just really, he's a super entertaining person. Yeah. Um, and he definitely kept me engaged. And also I was learning. So I really didn't feel like I needed to look for other things. Um, yeah. So at the time I was mainly, yeah, just watching him. And you said that you were pretty much just your opponents when you played games was pretty much just the, the bots basically. Yes. Sadly, <laughs> I was, I was so scared of playing real people. I don't know why. Like the first, I think I, for the first like three months, three to four months, I was just playing bots. Um, and then once I felt like, okay, I have a feel for this. Like I started playing real people. And I remember like my first couple of games, like my heart was just racing so fast and I was so stressed and I eventually got past that. But I remember the beginning being really tough. And then I had went to to New York, um, I would say like May of 2021. And I had played people for the first time in real life, like a strangers. And that was like huge for me. I was like, oh my goodness, like these are real people that I'm playing. I, I like, um, we were playing blitz and I was like, what are we doing with this clock? Like, <laughs> but that was super, really like really fun for me. Um, I saw like grandmasters playing blitz and that was like, Oh my God, like I want to be that one day. So that was really cool. Um, and then I also was playing, um, with my partner, we were just like, he was the only person that I was playing chess with at the time that was actually like a real person. Um, so those were like my over the board kind of experiences. And then the rest was, yeah, just bots. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, though. You, there was, sounds like there was a progression to it all. So so you started with the bots. I actually think that's perfectly reasonable. I mean, I think it's it's kind of nice, right? It's, it's a little bit like training wheels, but sometimes yeah. you need that when you... I mean, chess is pretty intimidating when you're brand new to it. It's intimidating mm-hmm. when you're not new to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I totally understand taking that approach. But it sounds like you're saying that you also... When you transition to playing real people, um, that it was online first, right? And then it was in-person real people. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah. So uh, it was online, like um, for strangers, I would say it was online first. And then I had played strangers over the board. Um, I had been playing with my partner for a few years prior to like 2020 in the Queen's Gambit, but it was like very, very basic chess. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if I want to call it chess. Um, It was like just random moves, no strategy, no like... uh, principles like beginner principles like at all like I didn't know what connect the rooks were I didn't know what en passant was <laughs> like so it was just very basic chess so yes technically I was playing chess over the board with real people but it was 
baby chess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Okay, so what you mentioned going to um, going to park in New York and seeing people play, you know, like blitz and all that, uh, you know, over the board chess, basically. And uh, that was kind of your first experience seeing all these people do that. I couldn't help but have a flashback in my mind to the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer when young Josh Waitzkin goes to the park and sees all the people playing and he gets super inspired by that. Is there any chance you had seen that movie when you went and like kind of had that <laughs> that that uh, recollection to that film? I actually, so I watched that very recently. I hadn't seen that movie at the time. So I actually, when I watched that movie, I was like, oh, I relate to this kid. Like, yeah, no, that feeling, I had that exact feeling. But at the time, no, I hadn't watched that film yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool that you saw it later, though. Mm -hmm. Um, That was kind of my, uh, that movie was my like first, I guess you could say, screen representation of chess that got me excited about it. That's such a good one. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like, those are the, the two best ones, right? I think Searching for Bobby yeah. Fischer and Queen's Gambit. For sure. All right. So you're, you're playing people now <laughs> uh, yeah. in your chess journey. <laughs> That's <on>. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do you remember at what point you start? Because I know you said that, you know, you weren't very goal oriented at first, mm-hmm. which I think is probably a good thing. Just, yeah. <laughs> just kind of get familiar with the game. There's no reason yeah. to be goal oriented right away. But do you remember at what point you started paying attention to your rating and um, like what was your rating about the time that you started, uh, uh, you know, kind of monitoring it? Yeah, I would say it wasn't probably until like a year later that I started looking at my rating. Um, the rest of, um, 2021, I was playing a ton with my partner and my sister. My sister had moved in with us and we were just playing like over the board chess, like every single day, all the time. So I wasn't really looking at rating because it's, you know, over the board and we're just, you know, playing for fun. <laughs> right. um, so I wasn't really focused on that until I would say maybe mm, the summer of 2022 or maybe a little bit before that, like late spring. Um, and at that point, I think I was like maybe 1100 on like Chesscom. Um, so, and that was when I really started realizing like, oh, okay, like, Maybe, maybe I should start paying attention to this. <laughs> That's interesting. That, that like a solid year and a half of you know regularly doing chess without really mm-hmm. caring about your rating. I feel like yeah. that's. That's psychologically strong and healthy and impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely changed. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely switched. Um, when I went to, so I had moved um, like across the country in like uh, the summer of um, 2022. And so I had gone to a chess club and people, you sit down with someone and they're like, what's your rating? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, what, do you, what do you mean? Yeah. So I feel like that was my first like kind of eye opener of like, maybe I should start looking at this um and because people (laughs) want to know and i'm like i don't really know (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um well those those are maybe remembered uh fondly those days where you didn't get yeah just bliss just reading chess books playing right right (laughs) (laughs) um so it sounds like there was some point along the way where maybe you shifted to a more structured or i don't i don't know exactly what the word is maybe a traditional approach to to how a lot of us, you know, try to improve at the game. Um, so, like, what what caused that shift to go from, say, just watching, you know, opening videos on YouTube to saying, okay, I'm going to have kind of a more varied approach to how I improve now? Yeah. Um, so the first part, I think, was me reading chess books for the first time. Um, I had, like, gone to the library and picked up uh, Logical Chess by Irving Chernov, and that was a huge, like, shift in my um, outlook. And I was like, oh, I, I want to get better at this. And then that was, I would say, like, maybe around, like, late 2021. So then once I had moved um, to, like, a new state... And over here in Baltimore, I had gone to the chess club and I felt like, okay, these people are kicking me, uh, my ass, like really bad <laughs> and I want to get better. <laughs> and so that I think was my, my big shift of like, okay, I want to get better. And then, um, I had heard about the dojo. Um, it was like very early days. Like they had done like a, like a promotional plan, like, oh, sign up, something like that. Like a couple weeks prior to me hearing about it, I was like, dang, I missed it. Okay, whatever. I'll just like sign up. Um, and then that made me re- like really get a nice like structured training, like, um, outlook. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like two, I think, really great resources. One is the, um, uh, the Irving book. Uh, and then the other is the, 
Chess Dojo training program. Were those your own ideas? I mean, how did you know to look for them? Yeah. So for the the Irving book, I had... I'm just a huge reader. I I, I also really enjoy studying. Um, and I think once I graduated college, I just really missed that. And so chess was a really nice replacement to, to fill that hole. Um, and so I had gone to the library and I was like, okay, cool. Like, let me figure out what I should read. And I think I had looked up like good chess books to read or something like that. <laughs> and um, I had like found a list or something and I was like, well, maybe one of these will be at my library. And it was. And so I had picked that up and that made me really want to start reading more chess books. And then in terms of the dojo, um, I had just saw it online on like Twitter or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Like this sounds like somebody who's going to tell me what I need to do. And I don't have to figure it out myself. That takes away so much like effort and I can just do the work. I'm a big fan of all the guys who run it. I'm a big fan of Chess Dojo and the training program, like all three parts to that. (laughs) Um, I've had all of the senseis, quote unquote, on my show. And um, yeah, they're all excellent chess coaches. In regards to their training program, um, how do you feel it helped you? I feel it helped take a lot of, one, the weight off of the decision-making process of like, am I doing something that is actually going to help me? Is this a waste of my time? Um, I was always uh, conf- kind of confused on what I was supposed to be doing. And if if this is the right book, there's just so many resources that it was difficult for me to kind of pin down what I needed to do at my level. Um, and so that was a huge, um, just kind of weight off my chest of like, okay, I don't have to make any decisions. I can just do it. And I can trust in people who are obviously much better at chess than me. (laughs) Um, And so that was a nice way of being able to have a decision making process there. And then I do feel like it's helped me also, not just the decision making of what I should be doing, and but also my chess has gotten better. (laughs) I feel like my tactics are much better than they used to be. And also my level two thinking is way better than it used to be. Like, I don't think there was like any level two thinking. And now it's much better. (laughs) (laughs) For people who don't know, can you uh, explain what the level two is referring to? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase here. (laughs) Um, So level one thinking is kind of just like your basic uh, way of thinking about chess. Um, So that's like very quick thinking when you're playing a blitz game. That's level one thinking. It's just kind of intrinsic um, chess. And level two thinking is much deeper. It's okay, I need to think 20 minutes on this position and you have to really force yourself to... um, think and not just make a move because your brain's going to get tired at some point and just be like, just make a move. I don't care. Like, I'm done. Like, just make a move. (laughs) Um, And you have to kind of train that part of your brain to be like, no, we're still going to look and we're still going to keep looking through this. And um, so it's that level of being able to really think deeply. Yeah, that's... um that's a nice distinction there that they that they make. And uh, congrats on improving that level too. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there anything that like came as like a pleasant surprise to you when you were going through the training program in terms of what they recommended? Was there something that, for example, that they presented and you thought, oh, wow, I didn't even know I should be paying attention to this? Yeah. So something that was a huge like eye opener for me was um, I did these like end game algorithms. Um, and it's basically like they give you a very short amount of time um, to like say like two bishops uh, versus just a lone king and you have to mate with the two bishops and um, I had to spar those out um, with like a training partner and that was something that I had never thought about doing Um, and especially having to do that in a short amount of time it really trains your brain to try and find the patterns quickly which I thought was really um, really beneficial to my chess um, because I had never thought about doing any type of like end game sparring. So that was a huge one for me. And then also having to play long games. It's it's hard. They call it like sweat work for a reason. Yeah. It's because it's <laughs> difficult. It's not everybody wants to do it. Um, and it is something that I definitely struggle with. That's like the main part of the program. And I also struggle with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's definitely really helped me of having to train that like level two thinking is only you're only able to do that in long games. 
Yeah, I think that using that expression that they they frequently use, sweat work, really helped me a lot. Uh, I, I don't know if I, I mean, some of my listeners might know this, but I didn't mention this right now, which is that I've I've done their training program and it's fantastic. And so, yeah, I'm familiar with them using that that term, and like I still think about that like weekly to guide myself. <laughs> For example, if I've only been doing like easy tactics and openings, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of have to. Uh, be honest with myself and say, you know, you haven't really done any of that sweat work this week. No deep calculation, no classical games yet. Um, and so I, I really like the emphasis on sweat work because it's easy to not do it in a week. It's so, yeah, no, it's so easy to like avoid it and just do things you enjoy, which I do think is important to have that time to enjoy things because like, you know, this is a hobby for us. We should be enjoying <laughs> right. ourselves. Yeah. But also if you want to get better, you've got to do the stuff that you don't really enjoy that much. So yeah, no, I feel the pain of having to play the long games and do the hard, hard work. Yeah, exactly. But it's a it's a good reminder. It's an easy phrase to keep in your mind. Mm-hmm. And if you look back on what you've, you know, after several days, you look back on what you've done for chest improvement that week. It's, it's just an easy thing to say, okay, was there any sweat work there? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. A question I want to ask you is about coaching. When I've talked to um, other adult improvers, whether on the podcast or outside of it, I've realized that a lot of people will tell me, um, you know, I didn't even know for the longest time there was such a thing as a chess coach, <laughs> which kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about how we just look at it as like, you know, before you're in this world, it's just another board game, perhaps. Yeah. So it's a it's a foreign concept to think of a chess coach, uh, at least in the early stages of this. So I guess it's a two-part question for you. One is, along the way, were you aware of this <laughs> this concept of chess coaching? And second, uh, if so, did you ever consider working with one? Yeah. So along the way, I would say the first couple years, I definitely had no idea that that was even a thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> definitely had no idea um, until maybe I got into like the, the chess punks community and I heard kind of people talking about it. That was probably my first introductory experience into chess coaching. I have not had a chess coach. Um, honestly, I just don't have the money for it. I'd rather spend it on tournaments. <laughs> I'd rather sure. allocate the chess money <laughs> to that. Yeah. Um, so I haven't had one. Um, I, did c- I am kind of at a point right now where I'm definitely struggling and I have considered like okay maybe I should have a session or a couple sessions with the coach and try and at least figure out what's going wrong <laughs> <laughs> sure well I think you bring up a great point though because you know if if you want to do everything there is to do within the chess improvement process it gets pretty pricey mm-hmm. you know like you're talking about yeah, courses sure. private coaching tournaments if you add if you do all of the things it adds up really quickly. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I sympathize with that. There's always like more I wish I could do in terms mm-hmm. of resources and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, like we kind of making a ton of money. Yeah, <laughs> we're not, yeah, there's no return on it financially. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I'm in the negative already. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we do kind of have to choose and, um, uh, I should, I should tell at this point, I should tell Chess Dojo about this episode because this is turning out to be a really great free ad for them. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Chess Dojo and things like it, I shall say, just to yeah. be kind of a little objective, mm-hmm. um, I think is a great kind of in between option for people, you know, between getting no help and, you know, working and with a coach. Some help. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, I yeah. feel like that has been my replacement for a coach in my life. It's like, okay, I'm still getting a training plan, um, but I don't have to pay for like weekly sessions. Right, right. Yeah, kind of moving along now in the story of your your chess journey, which I love hearing about. This is fantastic. Um, so about two years after you got into chess, I watched your, your I th- well, I saw the video. It was on Twitter, but I think you've had it elsewhere, like maybe on your YouTube channel as well, mm-hmm. that um, you decided to do an OTB tournament a um, couple years into your chess journey. I guess one question I have for you about that is, was this something like a long time coming that you had been thinking about or kind of like the chess coach thing? You, you don't even know about these things until much later. And then you go, oh, well, now that I know about it, I'll do it. So kind of like which version of that was it for you? Uh, it was I. So I had thought about going to um, like a chess club uh, that had tournaments probably only like a year into me um, playing chess and uh, like seriously playing chess. And I was way too scared to do that. So I had kind of just like 
put it off. And then I had moved and I went to this chess club and they do um, like uh, seasonal tournaments. And so I had made like a whole bunch of friends at this club and they were all playing and they were like, you should play. Like, it's so much fun. And like, there's a great camaraderie and like, you know, you get to play. It's just one day. Like, it's not even a huge commitment. Um, and so that was my like first like, okay, fine. Like, I'll, I'll do it. Like, let's go. So that was the first tournament then that you're referring to, like that you post yes. on your video. Okay, yes. so that was so a that one. Was December of 2022. Okay, and that was um, it was a one day event, and it was mm-hmm. classical, right? It was uh, no, it was rapid. So it was like I think like game in 25, delay five. So like very fast, and I had played <laughs> in the open, um, which my friends had told me like, no, you'll play in the open. Like you could win like best unrated, like just do it. Like, you know, what's the harm? And so I, <laughs> I did and I didn't do that bad. Um, and I won best unrated. So I think that's like one of the only times I've won actual money in a chess tournament. <laughs> so <laughs> they were my right. expectations high. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, I can win money in chess. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, first of all, congrats on winning best unrated. That's oh, really cool. You. Uh, yeah, you were one of those, uh, one of those, you know, kind of like, that's what I fear like when I'm at tournaments is the unrateds, right? Like I don't yeah, know, right? like are they like really easy to beat? Are they really hard to beat? It could be anything. It's like uh, what's behind door number two. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you turned out to be one of the very tough ones for those people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> So that's fantastic. And now, how did you feel overall? I mean, I know the, you know, like winning that, the category, I'll say, mm-hmm. winning that category, uh, is pretty cool and winning some money, also nice. Uh, those two parts aside, how did you feel about the, your first tournament experience? I had a great time. It was definitely one of the best tournaments I've had in terms of like memories that I'll keep and hold with me for a long time. Um, it was, I played with a ton of friends. I had like my friend Hannah came in from out of town and she had played. Um, so that was really cool. And my games were actually really good. I think the hardest part was uh, getting used to the nerves of a tournament, um, which I played sports all my life. So I'm used to like, uh, the competitive atmosphere. So it wasn't like a new thing. But in regards to like, having to deal with other people around you and the sounds that are going on and like, um, having to deal with your clock and write down your moves, that was definitely new to me. Um, I was definitely super comfortable playing over the board. At that point, I was playing way more over the board than online. I don't even think I was really playing online. Um, So I was familiar with the like the pieces and like the, my board vision was pretty good over the board. So that wasn't a huge stress. And then my games were pretty good. I think I, I like was, I had was paired against like this, like 1700 in one of my games. And like, I, I was winning and I was like, Oh my God, I'm like really good at chess. And then, like, <laughs> like four moves later, I like got back rank made it in like three. So it was oh, no. like, it was so like, no, like I was up and I was winning. Um, so yeah, definitely I got humbled, but I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a kind of a good combination in a certain yeah. way because it, I mean, it's tough being humbled. I was, I was majorly humbled at my first otb classical tournament i won i won zero no wait uh i drew one game i think and yeah i won zero games so i was definitely very humbled so i understand that but i think there's a certain positive to that because it really kind of tells you where you are in the scheme Mm -hmm. of things and what you need to work on yeah 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 which we need (laughs) right exactly um but that's good that you still felt like you know you had a fun time so did that experience inspire you to want to do more otb uh tournaments Oh, for sure. It was like, like, oh, I was so excited after that. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to do this all the time. Um, And I had played, I think, around maybe like a month and a half later, I played my first classical tournament. I played, um, I think it was the Baltimore Open. And that was like a huge tournament, hundreds of boards, so many people. Um, And I think I had played like one or two classical games prior to that. And so that was a huge wake up call for me in terms of like energy expenditure. Like, oh my God, I was exhausted by like the last day. Yeah. And also, I don't think I was used to having to really come back from a loss pretty quickly. Um, That was something that I really had to figure out how to deal with those emotions um, to be able to play the next game. Um, And I did not know how to do that then, (laughs) but I was definitely excited to play more tournaments for sure. 
Was it the classical aspect of it that made you feel that way, or the classical format that made you feel that way? Because I'm guessing, you know, you probably lost one game, right, mm-hmm. in the in the rapid. So, or was it just overall still no experience for you? Is what you mean? I think it was. Um, yeah. So in the rapid, I had, I think I lost like three three games or something. I think I finished like two out of two and a half or two out of five, something like that, in the rapid. Um, but in the classical, I had this like, I, I can probably play the game from memory because it was so scarring Mm, Um, I was like up a rook on move like 12 or 14 or something and I used all my time and I still ended up losing the game once it got into blitz territory and that was like incredibly painful for me I was like how could I lose something like this like I was up a full piece what's wrong what am I doing wrong and then having to play a game like an hour later when I'm like dealing with these emotions of like oh my god I'm so bad at chess like but in reality (laughs) I'm not well probably but (laughs) like but still having to like hey it's okay you're gonna play a new game like get it out of your head like that was really difficult for me yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, well, I don't have to imagine. I, I know for sure. Yeah, <laughs> as I'm sure many adult improvers know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's great in the sense that overall the, you know, that first tournament inspired you to do more. And then you said it was just weeks later that you did this this weekend tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was a pretty fast turnaround. I had played like a, I think I played a blitz tournament in between these two. And that was like super casual. I, I wasn't really worried about my blitz. It was more for just like playing with my friends. Um, and so that wasn't super stressful. And it was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like I lost a few games. Who cares? Like <laughs> we've mm-hmm. been here for like, it, <laughs> it felt like just going to the chess club, honestly, like and playing chess with people. Um, so that wasn't a, a huge like sadness when I lost those games. But then getting to the classical one, like a couple of weeks after that, I was like, oh my God, this is so painful. Yeah. You said something else that interested me about your first, I guess, OTB classical tournament. Um, that you had only played about two classical games ever before then. Now, um, did you mean, I guess, overall in any format? Or did you mean you've only played two OTB classical? Uh, just in any format, yeah. I was not really i think for at that point i was in the dojo for like six months and i was just doing everything else but classical games because i didn't want to (laughs) again sweat work and i was not prioritizing it at the time um and so i think like a couple weeks before the tournament i was like all right i gotta like practice the time control like and so i was not used to like having to manage my time at all i didn't really know like what amount of time I was supposed to have left at certain moves. Like I had never even thought of that. So I just was like writing down my moves and then like moving on. (laughs) I was not keeping track of time. And so a ton of my games went into like blitz territory, which in like 110 minutes plus 30 second bonus, that's like crazy. So yeah. Well, hey, I mean, Beth Harmon never had to worry about time management. I don't see why why we have to. Yeah, right? Like, why do we got to do it? So yeah, that's an interesting kind of process too where early on in your tournament chess life you hadn't had much experience with classical yet and you know part of it as you said was was you know it's pretty intense so there's definitely uh, an element of it that can be undesirable how do you feel about it now about a year later um it's it's rough so (laughs) i i just finished a classical tournament and i think i love i i do love classical chess um I just I really enjoy sitting and playing chess for multiple hours and I I think it is my preferred format. Um I enjoy thinking for a long time. Um I, I really enjoy that more than like any, any other type of chess. So I do think my love for that is still there. I've just had a really tough experience <laughs> recently in classical, so I'm like, uh I need a little break before my yeah. next one. Yeah, I hear you. So I, I for people who don't know, I think you're referring to your um was the adults only tournament, right? It was uh no, it was the the Charlotte Open. So okay, I yeah. played a ton of kids and I lost to a ton of kids. And it was really rough. <laughs> the opposite it, of an adults only yeah, tournament. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was it was rough. Um I had a great time. I met a ton of people from Twitter um and so the camaraderie was great. Um but the chess was rough. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think I feel like that's, that's kind of the downside, right? That's the that's the double edged part of it with classical. I agree, you know, and anyone who follows me knows that I love classical chess. But for me, the biggest downside to it 
isn't even the amount of time that it takes to play a game, but rather just how much it hurts if you lose compared exactly. to a blitz game. Exactly. I can shrug off a blitz loss in like 30 mm-hmm. seconds, you yeah, know? Yeah, seriously. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, no, I hung a piece. Okay, whatever, like moving on. But yeah. after I just played for four hours, I'm very sad that I just <laughs> blundered in like the last couple minutes of the game. Like that's so heartbreaking. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I've, I feel you on that one for sure. Well, that's awesome that you've been doing all this OTV you know, uh, tournament chess um, in a mix, right? A mix of classical mm-hmm. and rapid, which is different than most people I talk to. I, I like that you do some rapid as well. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's just honestly ease of access. Um, there's a ton of rapid tournaments in my area. And so it's just way easier than like a classical tournament. I have maybe two tournaments in like the Maryland area um, per year for classical, whereas rapid, it's like, there's so many. <laughs> so it's much easier to play a rapid tournament. I do think, though, that I should stop doing that. Um, I don't <laughs> think it's good for me. I had like, I'm in like this really weird spot with my chest where I'm just like, I'm on like a downward spiral right now. And I'm just like oh. hemorrhaging points. And I don't know if that's just because I'm playing like, I've been playing in the open a lot and that doesn't go great sometimes. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. And recently it has not been going great. And so I'm trying to figure out kind of what's wrong. And I don't know if I should blame it on just rapid tournaments or something else, probably something else. (laughs) Well, playing in an open will definitely be a huge challenge for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think you can cut yourself some slack there. Yeah. I think the first, um, like a couple months of me playing, um, chess I played in the open a ton and it went great so I think I was like yeah I'm good I'm so good at chess like I can I can hold my own in the open and then recently the past couple months I've been you know getting humbled in the open so <laughs> I've I had see. the opposite experience I see yeah so right now you're kind of in a place where you're trying to assess what the cause might be for yeah for this yeah. do I, you I, think I don't know what it is <laughs> it's hard <laughs> are you entertaining the option that um it could just be part of the that you know natural fluctuation of rating yeah um definitely feel like something else than that i think it's i think it's a mix of um i definitely feel like it's coming down to to tactics um i actually i listened to your episode earlier today of you were talking about losses um and i liked the part where you talked about um what are like what are you losing for like is it different than like the past time like okay my tactics are not basic tactics anymore now it's like much deeper tactics and so i have noticed the difference um and maybe i just need to focus on that because it's not really coming down to the opening um it's mainly coming down to tactics so yeah Mm, sadly interesting interesting yeah well um i wish you the best on on kind of assessing that i know it's not (laughs) easy to you know to to diagnose that sometimes Mm -hmm. especially on our own yeah yeah it's very very difficult yeah i've just been kind of annotating my games um especially from that tournament i just played and all my games i'm like okay where was the main critical moment okay here's what happened and all of almost all my games are tactics so at least i have an answer i think and I'm going to try and fix it. I'm diagnosing myself with more tactics daily. Right. So hopefully that'll help. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I'll be curious to know how that goes yeah. in terms of like if that, if that does make the difference. Just kind of a broad question that I have for you about your improvement journey. I don't know. Maybe this is too broad. Now, as I, I was thinking about asking this, I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's different in different stages for you. But let's just let's say in the past year, what do you feel has helped you improve the most? Good question. Um, it's yeah, it definitely comes in stages. Um, in the past, I feel like Blitz was not helping my chess, but now I actually think it has been helping my chess in terms of my decision making skills. I really struggle with like decision paralysis almost. Um, I just I'll be staring at the board and I'm like a minute will go by in like a five minute game and I'm just like trying to decide between like two moves that really don't make a ton of difference, but I feel like they do. And so um, Blitz has been helping me recently. Um, I've been playing just like no increment chess. um, And that has been helping me at least in terms of like, okay, you're forced to make a decision. You're not going to get any more time like added to your clock. Like you need to just pick a move. Um, So that has been helping me. um, But it also used to hinder me in the past. So yeah, it it does switch. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, Is there anything that uh, say in the past year again, you feel hasn't worked for you that you attempted? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, so I, 
I do think that me playing sometimes I <laughs> sometimes I play tournaments just like on a whim and that's not great <laughs> because I'm just like oh yeah like one time I literally just drove to like Richmond and I played in a in an action tournament and I went like zero out of five like in the open and it was like so I think making those decisions isn't great and then I do think that sometimes I do spend a lot of time just like messing around just like playing casual games at the club instead of like going to go study um but i do think in terms of what i'm studying i don't think i'm at a point where things can hinder me because i do need help in like every area so whatever i work on (laughs) is helping me in some way maybe obviously some more than others sure sure i think we covered a lot of your journey at this point you know especially like the early stages Mm -hmm. and you know you you moving on to kind of like the uh, OTB tournament phase of your journey this past year. Um, And now we're in 24. So do you have any goals for yourself this year? Not that you need to, but I'm just curious if you do. Um, So I, if you would have asked me this, like before the Charlotte Open, yes, (laughs) (laughs) I had a plan to play roughly 40 rated games. Um, But now I'm kind of in a, I don't know, I'm I'm in a weird place. I don't know if I should keep playing because my last like four tournaments have just gone like horribly wrong. Um, And I'm just honestly scared of like just keep dropping even further down. But maybe that's just what I need to do um, just to get better. I'm not sure. So now that goal has kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I should keep the 40 rated games because if so, I need to play pretty often. Um, And right now I'm like, Oh God, I, I need a break. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, so yeah, that was kind of my only goal. I don't really try and look at, um, rating goals because I don't feel like they're useful. Um, it's, it's mainly just going to hurt me. I try not to really focus on it, but also it's hard because I, I feel like I'm a certain rating. And then when I drop a whole bunch, I'm like, wait, no, this isn't my rating, but maybe it is. I don't know. It, it's, it's strange. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. So how about your, approach to studying uh, right now? Um, do you go for a structured approach or is it kind of more relaxed in terms of just what you feel that day or week? Yeah, so I would say it's more relaxed and maybe that's not great, but <laughs> it's it's what makes me get the job done. Um, and so I try and do, at least I try and do um, like tactics every day. I've been reading um, Play Like a Champion by Jennifer Shahade and that's been really good that's been like super inspiring to like i really want to do tactics because the the games in there are so good and like the the puzzles in there are from like these like really cool like players and so it's inspiring to actually do the tactics which i don't really have when i just like load up some tactics on like an online website um so that's been really nice um and then in terms of other things um i do try and play longer games um probably should be playing even longer times (laughs) but um i do try and make sure that i'm playing at least um like if i'm gonna play online i'm not gonna play just like five minute chess i'm gonna try and play like okay at least 15 minutes like at least push it there and then yeah mainly working on tactics because i feel like that's what i really need right now and then i'll do some like end games when i want to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to piggyback on what you said about play like a champion, because I have Jennifer's new book also. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic. But I, what I specifically wanted to mention about it that you brought up is just that it's the feel of it is much different than doing online tactics, which are kind of, I mean, it's like they're efficient when you do it online, but it's also kind of cold and distant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> agree. And, and it, and her book just gives, you know, the backstory to certain games and it teaches the history of women in chess. Uh, and so I just feel like it, it's a it's a much richer tactic experience. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, you can connect more to the puzzle um, just by being like, oh, this this puzzle's by Vaishali. Like, oh, my God, I love that player. Like, um, yeah. and so you're more interested um, in the actual tactic. And then also, like, uh, she'll explain, like, the history of the game, which I think is just so, so cool. And so, yeah, I've been definitely enjoying it way more than just, you know, online. I do agree. It feels very cold when it's just like this random, like, <laughs> puzzle that's been set up. <laughs> exactly. I have no idea wh- where it came from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
sometimes yeah. it's wrong like it's not even <laughs> great like yeah yeah there's a, some kind of weird solution you're like well yeah. that'll never like, show up in one of my games <laughs> yeah or like the computer will play like a weird move you're like that's not even what i what what is that that's not even the main move that needs to be played here to prevent something from happening so it feels kind of weird whereas i feel like um puzzle books are so great in that there is only one answer and or there is only one at least like best answer yeah and so it can really like um fast track you into one connecting with the game and then also doing really good puzzles yeah i've really felt that in my own study too when you get a curated tactics book is such a difference Um, because you just get some weird odd examples you know when it's online they just throw some stuff up there i'm like what is this yeah exactly (laughs) whereas yeah the authors of these books are like they really took the time to pick out something that represents i think a common pattern that you have a decent chance of seeing (laughs) you know so yeah it really it really makes a difference yeah and i think it also um i like how jen does it in that her book is by specific um, themes. And so I'm really figuring out what my weaknesses are of like when I'm slowing down, it's taking me a long time to figure out this like pin puzzle. Like, okay, maybe I, maybe I need to look at pins a lot more. So that's also helpful. Right. Right. Um, You know, uh, talking about Jen and the fact that her book also, um, you know, is, is all games that uh, involve women, um, I think it's probably a good segue into something else I wanted to talk about with you, which is that following women's tournaments has been something that's been impactful for you in your chess journey. Uh, can you share a bit about that? Yeah. So um, I think uh, the Queen's Gambit was a huge um, eye-opener for me, uh, just that there's competitive chess. But then seeing also, you know, Beth Harmon in that was like, oh, like, there's like amazing female players. And so this past year, um, I felt like there was a huge gap in like women's chess coverage. There's really, it's like non-existent on YouTube. Um, And so following those tournaments, I felt like it was really important to document them and almost in like a historical fashion because nobody's doing it. Like everybody follows whatever tournament Magnus is in, like, but there's also some amazing female players that I feel like deserve um, recognition and the spotlight. And I, when I first started um, like playing chess, like more like beginning, probably first year, when I had looked up like other games of like I had learned about like Judith Polgar, like there's really not a ton of information online like there's not a lot of videos made to like oh this best game um maybe a little bit more towards her but like a ton of other female players no there's like really nothing and like they're amazing and so I felt like it was really important to try and fill that gap and give um that coverage to them and also I've had like comments of like oh my my little girl watched this and like she really loved it and so that I just feel like it's really important to give um, one role models to for little girls to be able to look up to and see like these amazing female players. Um, and then also just in general for like the coverage, I feel like it's just important. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. Yeah. And for people who don't know, I mean, you have a YouTube channel. Um, how long have you uh, been running this YouTube channel? Uh, I will hit a year, I think in March. So almost a year. Okay, awesome. What inspired you to create it? It was, I wanted to cover, yeah, I wanted to cover um, just like uh, all women's tournaments and I felt like it was important to do that. Um, and then I also, I love talking about chess and so I wanted to cover my own games um, <laughs> and so that was cool. And then also I've been trying to do like um, games of the past. I did this um, this video on like this iconic like world championship back in like 1937. It was like the first like women's world championship. And like, um, it was a really cool game. And I was like, dang, there's like nobody who's talking about this. Like, why? And so I, I want to like kind of also highlight players of the past, but then also current players. So yeah, that was definitely my inspiration. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, and I think I'll cover um, the the candidates. I think in April, um, I'm definitely going to do that one. I did like the the women's world championship last year, and then I did the the Grand Swiss, um, and that's been really fun. It's definitely exhausting, um, but it's it's really fun, and I feel like it's important because like again, there's like nobody doing it, so it's important to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think just kind of one 
one last question I have for you about your journey overall. Some of what gets us excited to play chess in the first place doesn't continue to fuel our motivation later. Like it becomes something different. It evolves. It changes. We have different reasons why we get excited about playing chess. Um, so I don't know. Maybe for you, it's it's the same set of of areas as when you began. But nonetheless, I'm curious what these days after playing chess for for three years um, motivates you to keep doing it and, and working on it? Yeah, so I had read, um, it, it goes back to Jennifer Shahade. She's a <laughs> amazing author. Um, so I read, I read Chess Queens and this was back in like 2022. And I feel like it has fueled my passion for improvement in chess, um, by reading about all these amazing women. And I feel like it's almost like my duty to like carry the torch in their honor to try and be the best chess player that I can be. And so that's kind of my motivation for wanting to get better is I'm just, I'm really motivated to try and be the best player I can be. And I also really want to be in the top 100 women in the US. Um, That's like my long term chess goal. And so that fuels me like just, okay, you can do it. You just got to keep pushing. That's awesome. I love those two reasons. And I'm just I feel so excited to talk to another fellow um, Jennifer Shahadi fan on the podcast. Um, Yeah, you know, I've said this several times everywhere, like on the show, (laughs) on Twitter, that she's one of my top chess role models. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just think everything she does is fantastic. And, and it's just refreshing to be able to share that with somebody else on the podcast. So I love that you keep referencing her. Um, We'll just have, you know, uh, like a love fest for Jennifer on this episode, basically. No, seriously, she's amazing. <laughs> if people haven't read her books. There's definitely something to learn. And I feel like chess queens especially is like essential reading for like any chess player. Totally agree. I mean, it's hard to compare a book like that with something that's just purely instructional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I really feel like it's probably my favorite chess book that yeah. I've ever read. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's so good. One Jen's story is amazing and then also just reading about all these amazing female players of the past is just like, okay, how can I not want to get better? Like, look at them. Look at their story. Like it's just so inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's awesome. I love that you uh, appreciate all that she does too. Um, so yeah, let's just move in now to the last part of this interview, which is uh, just my segment of fun questions that I like to ask. They're designed to be easier, but sometimes they're not, depending on (laughs) (laughs) how how hard it is for you to feel like you have to pin down a favorite for something. Um, (laughs) But uh, my first question for you is, who is your favorite player of all time? Oh, good question. I would say Judy Pulgar. Nice. Any particular reason on that? Because there's so many reasons yeah. to, to pick her. Is there, is there anything that stands out for you? I just think she's so iconic. Like just ev- one, everything that she did for chess. And then also I think her, I really love her playing style. I love attacking chess. Um, I think it's just so fun to one play and then also look at games of players that that's their style. And so I just love looking at her games. And then also she's just amazing. So like... Oh, so good. I was actually thinking about this the other day. And I was like, if I would have been in chess when she was like in the top 10 in the world, I would have been like going feral rooting for her. (laughs) So yeah, she's definitely my favorite. Awesome. If you could play a great player of the past who is no longer alive, who would it be? Either Vera Menchik or Sonia Graf. I love those choices. Um, and anyone who reads Jen's book will definitely know about mm-hmm. those players. They're the um, trailblazers. Yes. If you could hang out with any current top player or celebrity player for an evening, who would it be? Can I go with Jennifer Shahade? <laughs> yes, you can. I we're, feel we're not like done she's talking a celebrity about player. <laughs> if she's, even if she doesn't play currently, she is definitely who I would want to hang out with. I think she's just yeah. so awesome. Yeah, for sure. Favorite opening as white? The Bishop's opening. Oh, interesting. Um, Omar Mills played that for a long time. I don't know if he still does, though. Oh, yeah. I know it's, I think it's considered like the the romantic opening or something like that. I'm not sure why. Um, But I love the positions I get from it. Interesting. Um, Your favorite opening as black? The King's Indian. Cool. How long have you been playing that? I think since I started learning openings, which probably isn't good because that's like a super theory based (laughs) opening. And I don't think that was great for my chess. Um, But I had a lot of fun with it. I I didn't know like any of the plans in the beginning. And I feel like 
I have started to learn a ton more <laughs> recently. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've been playing this so wrong. <laughs> and so, but yeah, I love, again, that's a very attacking, um, you know, setup for black. And so it's just in the style of chess that I love to play. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, all right. So my last question is, as I always feel a little self-conscious saying it, because I know it's, it, it has a bit of a silliness to it, but I think it's a fun one. So if a chess genie, quote unquote, existed and could grant you any one chess wish, what would you wish for? Oh, I would say having unlimited confidence in a mm. chess tournament. I feel like that would help my chess so much. That is a uh, really, really excellent answer. I haven't heard anyone give that answer yet. And I never would have thought of that, I think, because it's not specific, right? It's not like, oh, I want to be better at openings or give me 500 rating points. It's yeah, right. confidence. <laughs> I, I love maybe that. I should have asked that. <laughs> yeah, actually, I want to be 2,500. <laughs> no, I feel like what I struggle with right now is definitely confidence. And so that would like help me so much. Now, I love that answer because it's not it's not an obvious one, mm -hmm. but it's a great one. So that's really cool. I love that. Um, yeah, Sam, it's it's been fantastic talking with you. I've loved our conversation as I expected. I knew talking to both just a fellow adult improver in general, but also because I know you a bit from, you know, our online connection that this would be a really fun chat. And it absolutely was. I really appreciate all your insights and you sharing your story and taking the time to do that. Um, yeah, again, I just really enjoyed our conversation. I want to say thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. I had such a great conversation. I know that we can relate to each other, especially as adult improvers. And it was so fun. I'm glad we actually got to connect, especially, you know, I've known you for <laughs> over a year now from online. So yeah, no, thank you for having me on. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure is mine. So thank you so much. And I'm uh, wishing you all the success in your chess journey. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of my business, Adult Chess Academy. And that has a website with the same name if you want to look for it. You can also find me being way too active on Twitter by searching my username, Lona underscore chess. See you next week.